It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hello and welcome to Brewers Taught the Burton Albion podcast from the Burton Mail. Back to reflect on, uh, well, Burton Albion's 12th home defeat from their last 14 games at the Pirelli Stadium and uh, and look ahead to what will become attempt number 15 to end that uh, that winless run. Uh, apologies then for, for opening sort of on the on the bare facts, but uh, as ever, myself, uh, Joshua Murray, joined by Richard Cusack in the in the Burton Mail uh, office slash studio. Um, Rich, how are we feeling? Sort of what? Getting there. Yeah, not quite 24 hours is it since uh, since that uh, two 0 defeat to Brentford? N- no, it's um, it, another another disappointing and frustrating evening, wasn't it? It, it? We've had far too many of those at, at the Premier Stadium this season. But um, you know, as ever, onwards and upwards. Turn your attentions to Bristol City on Saturday. If nothing else, it was considerably warmer at the Prelude last night um, than it had been in previous weeks. And of course, given that uh, the previous game against Sheffield United was was postponed following that sort of uh, the adverse weather conditions, the snow and the sub-zero temperatures, there were there weren't many hats on site in the uh, in the press box yesterday. Not even yourself. You obviously a big, uh, big well, fan I, of the I normally hat. Have, I normally have my little woolly hat on. I took it. I had it in my bag, and I thought, do I don't? I'm going to try and condition myself to the spring. So. But unfortunately, Burton weren't able to turn their turn their fortunes oh, around with a march. But lovely stuff. Trying to segue back into the football. Segue <laughs> into the football. Um, yeah, as we say, it was. Uh, oh, I've written on my pad here, sort of deja vu of deja vu for for the Brewers. It's a term I've uh, you know we sort of used plenty. I think we are running, at, running out of ways to yeah, describe it. So uh, I think deja vu of deja vu perfectly describes it because we've sort of. Uh, We've had to run out of different superlatives for the Indeed, the we'd uh, read the script <coughs> plenty of times before this season at the Pirelli Stadium. As you said, two a defeat to Brentford, who themselves will uh, well have kept themselves in the in the playoff talk. There's plenty of sides pushing there, and, and that was one uh, sort of theme last night. A lot of the teams up there doing uh, getting the results they needed to. But Brentford escaped with a, with a two 0 win. Again, in sort of familiar circumstances, the game goalless at the break. Uh, neither goalkeeper really tested before before the end of the first half. Um, pretty even, all uh, all up for grabs, and then Brentford sort of seized control after the break. They grew more and more on top um, and took the lead in, or slightly fortuitous circumstances really. Ollie Watkins' low sort of ball drilled across the face of goal was uh, directed into his own goal by Carmen Fadson. Uh, that was on the hour mark. So Brentford in control. Burton tried to hit back, had a couple of flashes themselves. Uh, before Ollie Watkins settled uh, set the game in the in the 80th minute, slotting home from from 18 yards. Um, as we say, Rich, it's that you know we, we probably had this discussion on on the last three or four podcasts, really, certainly talking about home games. But it's that familiarity of Burton being right in there, right in contention until about the hour mark, and then opposition teams just sort of take control and and, and pick up the win. The, the thing is, Brentford were very good. They passed the ball very well. They moved very well. But the runners, they look like a team. I mean, they're going to finish mid-table. It, they might even sneak a playoff place, in all fairness. But they look like a team that had absolutely no no ties at all. They could just mm. go out and play their football. And while Brentford were very good, they still got into, Burton still got into the break goalless. They came out first 10-15 minutes. And as we've seen, I think I make that... I'm not sure how many games that is this season in total. We'll tot it up, I'm sure. But that's two games in a row now where Burton have conceded the opening goal on the hour mark. Mm. What what is it about this Burton team that seems to go come out of half time? And let's be honest, for the first five or ten minutes they weren't being peppered. They weren't mm. really being yeah. peppered. 
it was the same against Millwall. The first five or ten minutes after Millwall, they come out, they actually look really, really bright. And for some strange, bizarre reason, they just seem to give it up on the, on the hour mark. There aren't many games, you know, given the amount of defeats, that's 13 now, home losses uh, for the for Burton Albion this season. There aren't many times where they've been behind at the break. Um, you know, f- so many games it's been nil-nil or, or one-all or whatever and, 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 and Burton are right in it. And, and as you say, it's, I mean, Alex Neal spoke about it, what, when Preston won here, he goes back three it, months yeah. ago. He, he actually said it, didn't he? He basically said, we knew that Burton would be vulnerable late in the game if if we were still in contention. And That's the thing, he said it both in his pre-match. And so he, he, clearly, even by December, it was identified as a weakness in this Burton side. And, and we're, in, we're nearly in the middle of March now. Mm. So this, so teams have been, teams have known about this for a while. Mm. And how many teams do you think turn up? And Dean Smith said um, on Tuesday night in his press conference afterwards, he said we didn't want to talk it up too much because we didn't want to become that side that that ends up. Well, that's what every team coming to the Prelly is going to feel now, isn't it? That exactly. the, there's going to be a bit of pressure of not wanting to be the team that, that sort of end, helps Burton end the run. You know, again, you look at you look at sort of the issues or, or how the defeat came to be, and a part of it was that. For the third game running, Burton couldn't find the back of the net. That's they've still only scored twice um, at the Prelly Stadium in 2018. Martin Samuelson had probably the best chance. He volleyed over from Lloyd Dyer's cutback from from six yards out. A bizarre one because many of the Brentford players almost seemed to stop thinking yeah. the ball had run out of play. You wonder whether that. I wonder if Samuelson got in did as well. Head. Yeah, it, it, I, wonder, I mean, on <laughs> when you're in the ground, you see that t- it looks like a difficult chance. When you watch it back on on the, on the tape, and you know, I mean. It, does it truly keep it down? It, it's a it's a difficult when the ball's coming at you at that height. You're trying to get over it. And Samuelson almost seemed to he almost seemed to hesitate for half a second, maybe, mm. and just think, "Oh, if it goes over it, it, it Lionsman's going to put his flag up and say it's a goal kick anyway." Yeah, well, I, well, we all did sort of turn to look at the Lionsman to to see, and, and and his flag didn't go up, so that was. That was one you know, of the few questionable uh, yeah. uh, officiating decisions last well, night to say to yeah, say the least. Yeah, that's it. As we say, you know, Burton didn't really have many many chances in the first half, but neither did Brentford. A couple of headers going just wide. That the big talking point was was Neil um, Mope, the, the the striker who was booked sort of reasonably early on in the game, and then about five minutes to go before half time, he stretched for a ball in midfield that Carl McFadden had just beat him to caught McFadden late, and, and well, certainly the majority of the home fans and, and the Burton players on the pitch were up in arms. Uh, appealing to, to Tony Harrington to show a second yellow card. He didn't. Uh, the referee just sort of taking the, the Brentford striker across, having a word with him. Um, unsurprisingly, he didn't, uh, he didn't reappear for the second half. Uh, a substitution was made. Um, Self-preservation. Yeah, I mean, did Dean Smith says, it. yeah, he sort of thought that Burton were almost tr- sort of tag-teaming, trying to get him sent off. I didn't really see that. It just looked to me as if he'd mistimed it. The challenge, it wasn't a malicious challenge by any means. He just, you know, it was two players going for the ball and McFadden got there first and... You know, he was caught him late, but um, well, I kind of agreed with what Nigel Clough said after the match on this one. He said, "I don't see how they tried to tag team him when the first booking was for descent." Yeah, so I don't, I'm not quite understand. This is it, isn't it? It was, it was an interesting one, but as we say, it meant it was 11 v 11 at half time. It was nil nil at half time. You're looking then for for Burton to come out and seize control. It was, it was Brentford who did, and and perhaps part of you know the issue of being down there. Burton sat 23rd in the table was summed up really not only by the Brentford goal or their opening goal when Carl McFadden, as we say, sort of went to dived into block Watkins cross and it just spun off him <clears throat> into the back of the net. But only a few minutes later, Marvin Sordell um, on to replace Martin Samuelson. He sort of cut in from the right, drilled a ball across the face of goal. It took a slight deflection off a Brentford defender. Daniel Bentley's stood up. He's got no chance, and it skims. Well, what Nigel Clough said, he spoke to the players and they said it, would, it was an inch wide of the post. You know, again, you're expecting it to, to, to nestle inside the far post. It doesn't, it runs just wide. And in those fine margins, do you see the team potentially with a bit more freedom, no pressure on them, and with the team who 
are down near the bottom fighting their lives and just not getting a lot. The thing is, if anything, could sum up Burton's, not only their home form, but probably their season as a whole is Watkins puts a cross in, McFazin diverts it past Bywater, who it's not wrong for, he's got no chance of it, and then only a few minutes later, Sordell goes down there, and, and I thought it was going in. And yeah. again, I mean, it sounds so, so cliche, so apologies, but it really, for me, it really just sort of, it, it just sums up Burton's mm. season, to be honest. But, you know, the, the, the stats are as they are, that's 12 defeats now, as we say, from, from the last 14 home games. You know, we try not to sort of split it between home and away too much, but such is the nature of, of the way that, that, you know, the season has gone that it's hard not to. And those are the stats, you know, 12 defeats from 14, that's not just all down to fortune, you know, there's been mixes in there of poor performances, good performances, whatever, from the Brewers. You know, you, you could argue that Tuesday was 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 a mixed one. I mean, they, they held a good Brentford side for a long time, and but without really asking enough questions themselves, there was obviously frustration after, after the final whistle from from some fans. I suppose primarily just down to the fact that again that the record is as it as it is, and as we've said today, Rich in the office, if Burton could just find a little, you know, we're not asking them to, you know, we're not looking at sort of playoff form or anything, but if they could have just discovered a little bit of the odd result here and there at home, you know, they they could be sat. Pretty, pretty but, but right. It's like, it's like you say, you do, we're not even talking about looking at back at games saying, oh, we should have won this, we should have won that. I mean, like you said, was it lose eight and draw six? Yeah, yeah. And, and that pulls you within well, with the game they, in hand. Yeah, they'd, they'd be safe. Yeah, they'd be above. So that, that's one of the things that must, I mean, if you're a Burton fan, I really do sympathise with your home form this season because if you were sort of thinking, oh, I'll go to all my home games, but maybe I can't make the aways, then, I mean, some of the people who sort of maybe, maybe live a bit further afield and can get to that, I know there's one. We've, we've got one um, listener who travels from lives in Leeds. He, I think, he's got to all the South Yorkshire um, around there. So apart from the Leeds away game, Barnsley, Sheffield Wednesday, you've seen a couple, of, and Bolton maybe. If, if yeah. you've gone to that, you've seen a few decent results. And I, I do, do sympathise with, with the Burton fans, and I think that that frustration's obviously been coming. It's been brewing, brewing um, if you'll pardon the pun, um, for a little bit. And I think it's just. But obviously the fans here, we just want the team to do do so well, don't we? And when you've seen some of the results that Burton pulled off at the Pirelli last season, I think mm. that's probably what that underlines that frustration yeah. a little bit more, doesn't it? Yeah, they sort of they, they, they set the bar, didn't they, pretty high last season. I mean, you know, Nigel Clough talked about it a little bit today in his press conference and saying potentially, as we mentioned before, teams came last season with with different expectations. They're prepared for it now. That's potentially part of it, but there, there are you know clearly clearly other issues there. Psychologically as well, he said that first goal, and that, again, that is the issue. Burton just aren't scoring the first goal enough at home this season. Um, too often they're conceding it, and psychologically, you know, around the whole ground. And, and he said about this, he said his players almost need to, to go into a cocoon. Uh, you know, when when the first goal goes in, and if the atmosphere falls flat, which you know is a, in a way inevitable given the way the home form has been, the players almost need to get that out of their minds and just focus on what they're doing on the pitch. But obviously, at the moment, it's it's all just going hand in hand, and. Um, and I think the, the problem is when you don't, sorry Josh, when you, when you don't score the first goal and your your opponents get in front, then straight away you're on the back foot, regardless of where whoever you're playing and wherever you are. Yeah. Brentford were able to, Burton were getting desperate as you'd expect, which meant that Bert, Brentford could cut them over a little bit easier. How many times have we seen that? Preston went two up, didn't they? Sunderland went two up. Reading pulled away three one. QPR pulled away three one. Mm. Sheffield United did the same. It, it, that's that's the problem when you don't score that first goal. Yeah. It's uh, it's been uh, it's been a problem, and I suppose one that they're, they're going to have to address again this weekend because um, with the Sheffield United game uh, obviously being postponed last weekend, that's now being rearranged for for Tuesday night. 
Um, it means that Burton will actually have played three home games on the bounce when uh, when Bristol City arrived this weekend, and that then leads into three away games in terms of the next four games in total already. You could, you could count it as the next five. Obviously, Bristol City this weekend comes to the Pirelli. They just dropped out of the playoffs actually last night, losing to Preston. Um, then, as we say, Sheffield United, the, the game is being rearranged for Tuesday night. They're currently ninth, but obviously well within uh, within range of the playoff with that, that game bun, in hand as well. It's there now, isn't it? Wolves next uh, after that, uh, a week on Saturday. That's the final game before the international break. Well, Wolves, uh, you know, enough said about them. And uh, admittedly, they're coming under a little bit of pressure at the top of the table, but but still obviously sitting very pretty. And then uh, Cardiff away is the, is the first game after the international break before Middlesbrough at home. There you've basically got five teams who all at this moment in time will fancy themselves as having a good or great shouts of, of promotion. Well, even one of them could be in a Premier League, Premier yeah. League next season. That, that's how that's how strong those teams are. You know, Bristol, Sheffield United, Wolves, Cardiff, Middlesbrough. You know, what a, what a job Neil Warnock, formerly of this parish, has done it, done up at Cardiff. Um, and, and when and when Burton have to go there, I think Cardiff are top of the, the home form table. Yeah. So this that's it, that's hardly it? going to be a uh, an enjoyable experience. Having said that. You know the Brewers away from home are sat sort of pretty mid-table with 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 their results this season, and and maybe it, again it'll be that freedom after after the way the home results have gone, you know so far, um, well over the last couple of weeks as as well they'll be looking at getting away from home and and, and the shackles might be off. I mean it's something interesting that Lucas Aikens talked about today. We're getting a story up uh, later about this. He said he, he sort of harked back to to the Leeds United game at the Prelly back in April last season when Leeds were, were still within a, a good shot of the playoffs. Burton obviously knew that a victory would all but seal their survival and whether that sort of pressure weighed a little bit on Leeds and, and, and to be fair the Brewers turned in an absolutely superb performance to win that game 2-1 but he's looking and saying well teams like Bristol the pressure's on them in that they've still got so much to play for Brentford, Millwall we've seen in the last couple of weeks the pressure's been off them they're mid-table you know, they might make a late charge for the playoffs but it's not expected teams like Bristol Sheffield United Wolves obviously you know the onus is on them so is that going to play into Burton's hands a little bit? It's, it's, it's certainly going to be interesting to see. Sort of, I mean, Bristol, Bristol in particular. I mean, obviously, they lost to Preston on Tuesday night. Worth noting as well um, that Aidan Flint and Joe Bryan they're going yeah. to miss out through suspension. Lucas Aikens and Nigel Clough again. They're just looking after themselves. They're not interested in who's going to play, who's not going to play. Like Lucas Aikens said, the, le- the left back and the centre back who are who are currently not in Lee Johnson's starting eleven might think this is a chance for me yeah. to nail down a place now. So it goes the other way. But um, it, it's it really, it really is going to be interesting because when, like you say, when you're playing against Brentford, I mean, they look like a team free of free of worries Tuesday night. Mm. We might they do at the best of time, you know, even <laughs> yeah, yeah, any yeah, time yeah. They, they play with that freedom. But like you say, certainly last night. I mean, Millwall as well were, were a perfect example of that. Neil Harris, what a job he's done there. Won again beat Hull Tuesday night um, up at the KCOM. They're one of those teams where they think, why not? Let's just let's just go for it. Let's just let's why, let's just go and let's just let's just throw the shackles off and let's just let's just play our football. The shackle was off, to be fair, well, most of the game for Millwall. He only came on later. I'm going to ignore that. Um, <laughs> but but with, with, we with, get, well, we'll cut that out. We'll cut that out. <laughs> that won't make the edit. Um, but with Bristol, yeah, I mean, let's just because I think you're looking now, aren't you? If you're Burton, you, they say they want to worry about themselves and what they're doing, but you, you do you do really hope that, that that sort of plays into their hands a little bit. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the other interesting thing, of course, being the way other results went on Tuesday night and, and potentially that a little bit of where the fr- frustration is as well for Burton is they, they know where they could be if, given the way other teams aren't picking up results, you know, nobody seems to really want to get themselves out of this relegation. But I mean, a classic one, Reading and Bolton played each other the other night, uh, last night and um, either of them, 
you know, if they'd beaten the other one, could have could have really taken a big step, but neither wanted to. It, it seems, you know, they draw one all. Every other team down there, Sunderland, Burton, Birmingham, Hull and Barnsley, all losing. And it's still so tight down there. And But... When Andy Garner summed it up for me on Monday, Josh, he sort of said, you know, he said, did he say something like, oh, it's it's, it's frustrating, it's, it's yeah, good, yeah. but it's bad at the same well, yeah, time because, because we, we can't take advantage of it. They know exactly where they could be if, if things had, you know, if, if they'd sort of... I suppose picked up uh, the results that they should have done at times, or, or, or nicked a draw here or there at home, or you know who knows. It's all it's all ifs, buts, and, and maybes, isn't it? But you know the, the cold hard facts are that Burton are still in the position and still twenty third, still looking to, to break out the bottom three uh, for the first time this calendar year. Um, and it begins, of course, that, that that sort of task now going to to face Bristol City this weekend. Rich, I know you were sort of talking, you talked before and once that Sheffield United game obviously was postponed and that sort of weekend off to, to look ahead to the, these games coming up, these home games and knowing there was three on the bounce, you were sort of saying Brentford, Bristol, those games back to back at home, something was needed for, from those games. I mean, is... What, would you say it's an absolute? I suppose you, you I don't can't want to talk. Win, I don't but... want to talk anything up just yet. We've, we've still, but I've still got ten games left. Oh, ten at the moment, one in hand, so eleven, I guess. But it's, it's. I, I, I did say in like in over the weekend that, I mean, oh, oh, if you could be have three home games in a row, Villa played, they've got to win one of them for me. Mm. And now they've got they've, they've got to beat Bristol on Saturday. They really have got to beat Bristol. Mm. If anything, just to. Just to give themselves a platform. I mean, we know they're good for away from home, so I don't think for one minute that they'll go in away from home. They'll probably go if they lose. Paradoxically, they might relish going away from home and think, "Let's get some yeah. more points on the board because we we know we can." But I just think that a win last night would have lifted, really lifted the place, and I think a win on Saturday would just. I think they've, they've got to win it. To be honest, lining up. Do they? You know, again. No goals, as we've already talked about the other night. Only two goals in, in 2018. Only 13 goals from 18 home games so far this season. Um, Liam Boyce started against Brentford in that lone striker role. He came off with about, uh, well, just, just I think it was after, um, after he went 2-0 now, wasn't it? And, and Darren Bent replaced him. We've not really seen too much of those two in tandem. No. We asked Nigel Clough about it today and he suggested, well, you know, they're quite happy with the system at the moment and... Um, and made reference to the Forest game when both of them were up front together and they, they couldn't really do anything. So do we think there's going to be a time soon when they are going to say, right, caution to the wind, two up front, see if those two goal scorers together can can do what they need to really? Or, or do you think because the system has largely been effective over the last sort of month or so that they'll stick with, with one striker and bring in the other off? I mean, bench? I don't think you can really use the Forest game as a sample size because obviously Forest had their backs to the wall yeah. for the majority of that match. And I mean, what a, what a block by Danny Fox, I think it was, yeah, from yeah. Darren goal and anywhere else, and that, that goes in. But what 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 would happen if, if Benton Boy started together was you'd need to see a system change behind them to, to, to play two up front. Now, I, I've said before, I'd like to see a 4-4-2, mm. but I don't, I don't know who, which midfield he'd drop. Yeah, that's in the, the middle. That's that's the that's the only problem. I mean, Hopak Pan, as we know, is, is carrying an injury. He missed the the Brentford game with an ankle injury. Luke Murphy came in to replace him in that in that sort of four one four one. Davenport sitting deep, and then and Alan and Murphy. And like you say, you know, it, it's it'd be interesting to see Davenport. I mean, Davenport's thrived in in a holding role, but obviously, if you go to a sort of a flat midfield four or whatever, then maybe a little bit more is going to be asked of him in different roles as well. So you can see why, you know, that, that they are pleased with the system and um, admittedly Brentford sort of swamped the midfield a little bit on Tuesday night and it was probably the, the least effective it's been, um, I would argue, since they sort of switched to it at, at, at Aston Villa. But you can see why they're thinking that. 
equally you can see why sort of some supporters are sat there and obviously thinking Liam Boyce is I mean you've got to remember that both have been out injured I suppose that's, that's, that's something you've got to take into consideration as well I think that's what sort of what people are sort of uh, need, need to be reminded of is the fact that Liam Boyce has literally he's made his debut for the club a month ago so he's not ready to he's he, he isn't him and Darren Ben then who's your option off a bench then yeah if, not if it's Marvin Sordell because obviously he came on he looked lively didn't, yeah. he? didn't he on Tuesday night so that, that, that might be an option but I think the problem is at the moment that the system, like Nigel Clutter on, on Wednesday morning, he said the system isn't the issue. The mm. tactics aren't the issue. No. And I don't think they are. Yeah, yeah. To be honest, I think it's just the fact that y- y- they got plenty of crosses in. Now you can tell that Liam Boyce hasn't been playing much because they don't seem to be. There's a couple of times where Boyce held the ball up when I looked for Samuelson, but you can tell that. If, if they'd been playing four or five months together all season, they'd have that He'd understanding. Be on the end of that they'd be, ball, yeah. they'd be telepathic with each other, wouldn't be connecting. They'd mm. know exactly where they are. You can tell that that connection is still a little bit rusty at the moment. And they've got to be more ruthless, I suppose, because you know you look at all these games recently. And you say they've had at least one great you know, Samuelsons, as we say. It was a tough volley, but six yards out, you'd back him to put that in. Darren Bent obviously went through the other day against Millwall. Tom Naylor back, back post header similarly. They're not, you know. Okay, they're not creating loads. They've not been testing the goalkeeper enough. That is clear, but they are still having chances, which if they could take, gives them a, a great position to to defend a lead. And I suppose you could talk about changing systems and changing approaches, but ultimately, the Nigel Clough sort of, sort of sometimes says it. We can send them out there in a system with an approach, with a with a game plan, everything. Yeah. But they're the ones who have to put the ball in the back of the net. It's that exactly, and I th- I think at the moment you're going to change it. At the moment, you've got a system that works. That's the thing. The difference is that the chances aren't being put in the back of the net. Mm. As soon as those goals start flowing, I mean, even Liam Boyce managed to fashion the chance out of nothing last night, didn't he? When I think yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he caught one of the Brentford defenders with his foot under the ball. A, yeah, it. just a poor pass out, and he and he nicked it. And for my man, that's one of the first chances we've sort of really seen him have since obviously he scored against Villa yeah. coming off the bench. But I think at the moment, it, it, I really do think it's too late in the day for, for system changing, for tactics changing. You, you need to find a way to. to, to to get the best out of your players and I think to be honest we've certainly seen an uplifting performance so why change that? Indeed, indeed as ever we'll, we'll round out the, the Brewers Talk podcast with, uh, with just a couple of questions um, a couple in from, from Jack um, first of all did we do enough transfer business in January to stay up I suppose the proof will be in the pudding come the start of May Jack um, in terms of the quality of the players I think OK, we're yet to see Darren Bent hit the back of the net. You've got to think that's going to come sooner rather than later. But clearly a striker of that quality, that was a huge signing. He was he was sort of the Brewers' main target. And we've seen the qualities of, of Samuelson and Davenport, potentially neither at their best against Brentford, although I don't think you know, that, that was probably down to Brentford as much as anything. But, but Rich, would you agree that in terms of the quality they brought in, I mean, you know, numbers, OK, okay we, we discussed that in a previous podcast with injuries. It has stretched the squad a little, but... Everything you know, the three players brought in. They've all got obvious quality that they can they can bring to the survival course. They, they brought in three three very good players. If you if you ask me, to be honest, starting players. Start, well, I mean that's the thing, isn't it? They're not squad players. They've come in. They've had an immediate impact. I mean, Samuelson. Yet yeah, sometimes I know people have said he's not his end product isn't really there sometimes. But last, on Tuesday night, he he didn't really Brentford press Burton so so yeah. hard that. Samuelson had really have anywhere to go. One, yeah, one direction, and that was back. Exactly, wasn't it? that was that was kind of a problem. I mean, that, we know who Darren Bent is. Jacob Davenport, we've seen great. I think the question that Jack's getting is: Did we? Did we? When he says, "Did we do enough transfer business?" Did Burton sign enough players? And I'm not quite sure whether. 
I don't think Nigel Clough chose to only sign three players. No. I'm sure if he well, I, we we know that they were they were looking to try and do one more on, on deadline day and and just you know for for whatever reason and there's there's I'm sure there's a myriad of reasons. As there is with any transfer, they just couldn't get a, a fourth deal over the line. I'm sure they would have liked to just to bolster that squad a bit more. As we say, that that comes down to, to several things. But um, as we say, I suppose that ultimately, in terms of that business, the, the time will tell. Obviously, players like Michael Kitely, Corley Woodrow made pretty sort of immediate impacts last season. But actually, if you think Luke Varney, who came in in the January, then got injured pretty quickly, uh, actually was on his debut at Watford in the FA Cup. He was out for a while and he got his first goal. <laughs> of course, the goal that what, kept what, yeah, what, a, what a goal to score. You know, so yeah. if, if Martin Samuelson's first goal for Burton comes, I don't know, in, in a home game... Uh, against Bolton or, or, or away at Preston on the final day to keep them up, then I'm sure the answer to that question will be an emphatic yes. Um, Jack follows up with the second question, saying, realistically, how many points can the Brewers pick up from the next four games? As we've said, Bristol City, Sheffield United, Wolves and Cardiff, all of those promotion chasers. I mean, again, it's it's we're n- never very good at predictions with these. I, I would argue that, you know, that, that they've as, as tough as it sounds, they've got to want to win at, at least one of those. Yeah. Um, I mean, for those four games... Four points that would take them to, to thirty three. If we're looking at a target of I don't know what about forty five probably at the moment yeah, to keep you up. I mean that even that. The thing is that's the problem. We can't really predict a target because everyone mm. just keeps losing. So it's, yeah, it's, well, we've got no sort of like, we don't know how it's going. This to is it. It's hard to tell. But if you're saying sort of around that tally, well, four or five, four points for the next four games takes them to thirty three, and then you're asking them what to pick up twelve points from their last seven games, which is a big ask, but obviously that's when they're playing the teams down there with them. So I, I would, you know, I, I'd say they probably, they'll be looking at trying to take a, a you know, a point, the equivalent of a point per game for, from that next four, but obviously... I think they need to win, we need to, we, they need to win. If they beat Bristol City, that will obviously, that will honestly set them up yeah. for those those three home games, those three away games, sorry. Obviously, you know, they want to go out there, we, we, the pressure might be on a little bit because of their away form, but look, they're going to see games like Wolves, Cardiff, they're, 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 they're not... The word I'm searching for is free hit, but I don't want to sort of mm. say that because I don't want to sort of dig it up like that. But if they beat Bristol City, they give themselves a good platform to get a decent amount of points from, from those games. Yeah, I think that's it, isn't it? You know, it, it all comes down to as much as players will say it as well. You, you can only focus on the next game and what points tally they're going to take will rely, I think, uh, a lot on that Bristol City game. Any questions over there, Rich? We've got one from Josh who says, when are we going to see Bent and Boy start up front together? And I think we're pretty uh, much There you go. Sorry, Josh, I sort of jumped the gun with that question. But yeah, I mean, as we say, the suggestion from Nigel Clough is perhaps not immediately. Um, they're pretty happy with the system of, of one striker. As we say, also the context being that neither's played much football this season. You know, you don't want to risk sticking them both out there from the start, potentially, and one picking up an injury or knowing full well that you're going to have to potentially substitute both off after 70 minutes or so um, and, and sort of limit your options then. So I'd sooner see Aikens and Boy start up front together. That's what well, I'm, that, this that's is, what I'm waiting that's for. That's another interesting point. The defensive injuries has meant that Aikens have, has had to play at right back and we've not been able to see Aikens link with, with either of those two strikers, have we, really much? So um, that's sort of a, a potentially another string to Burton's attacking bow when the likes of Brayford and, and Turner come back into the side on, on a more long-term basis. Um will be an interesting one because, you know, ultimately, certainly between Boyce and Bent, you're hoping that they they are the players who've got the goals in them that will make the difference come come May. Yeah, you, you, certainly. I, I think that um, it's it's nice to see Boyce back. You've got to remember, you know, we keep being told that he is ahead of, ahead of schedule. The, the fact that he's got a few games on the field doesn't make the fact that he's out there any less remarkable. No, absolutely. To, to be honest, but yeah, yeah, you, you're waiting for that first one to fly in from either of those two, aren't you? Mm. 
indeed. Um, either scoring at the Prelude this weekend could be huge, as we say. Burton will be desperate to try and get the first goal, get their noses in front against Bristol City. Um, big game for both teams. Bristol, of course, trying to get themselves back into the playoff uh, positions. For the Brewers, it's all about keeping uh, keeping in touch with those teams above them uh, ahead of what is a particularly challenging run of away fixtures. We'll be, of course, there to cover all of them. But first things first, we'll be at the Pirelli this weekend to see if Burton at the 15th attempt can uh, pick up a first home win since September. Thanks as ever for joining us on Brewers Talk. Any questions ahead of next week's podcast, send them in uh, to us on Twitter at Joshua Murray BM or at Richard Cusack BM or at Burton Albion BM for that matter. Uh, we'll see you next week.